Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Steve Kane, and today we are studying Asachet Rosh Hashanah, Chaf Gimel, Tractate Rosh Hashanah, page 23. Now on this Daf, there's a lot of various subjects. It is a carryover from the uh, previous uh, Dapim, of course, um, dealing with the question of Rosh Chodesh, of declaring the new month, and, and how exactly that is done. Um, and some of the topics that it touches upon are, are very practical. Uh, for example, the lighting of the torches. When were they exactly lit, or should they have been lit? Uh, after a full month, which would be um, 30 days, or after a... Um, month which is um, chaser, which was only 29 days. Uh, and there's a lot of discussion about when it is lit, although it seems to be that they would light it um, actually only on the uh, after a month which was, um, which was not a, uh, a full month, that is a month of 29 days. They would light it on the day after that, and everyone would then proceed to know in the diaspora um, that, the, uh, that the new month had come um, after the 29th day. Uh, and then they go through a whole long um, discussion of uh, what exactly the kinds of trees that were used in the lighting and, and uh, uh, all sorts of um, uh, ideas that aren't really so uh, interesting and germane to, um, to the topic at hand. Um, and finally, the um, Gomorrah on the, on the end of, the, uh, of uh, Amud Bet um, begins to discuss... How exa- what exactly happened when the witnesses would come to um, uh, give witness to the fact that they saw the moon? How were they questioned by the Beitin? What Where did they go? Uh, what was done for them? How were they examined? Those are the general topics on, uh, on this page. But I want to turn to two um, specific and very interesting statements that, um, uh, that are contained on this page. Um, and the first, really towards the end of, um, of Amud Aleph, um, discusses, it had been a whole discussion about um, what exactly the um, Eris tree was, which, which um, kind of tree is that. Um, and it then goes off into a beautiful Midrash um, from, uh, from Rabbi Yochanan. And here's what it says. Vamar Rabbi Yochanan. Kol halomed Torah ve'eno melamda domela hadas so if you've learned Torah and don't teach it to others, you are like a hadas. Now hadas is actually one of the uh, four species that is used in the um, in the lulav. Um, it is um, a beautiful um, a branch, a beautiful uh, part of a tree, and uh, and if you learn Torah but don't teach it, uh, so Rabbi Yochanan says you're like a hadas which is, uh, Myrtle is, is its translation, or like a Hadas, which is in the wilderness. 
So what does that mean? It means that uh, you've learned something, but you don't share it with anybody. What, what value uh, does it really have if you've learned Torah, but don't share the Torah that you've learned? And then you have a second um, uh, interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan, or second tradition of exactly what he said. Um, and that too is, is quite interesting and, uh, and I think deep. Um, and this is a little bit of a twist on the previous uh, statement. In this case, it says, Kol halomed Torah umelamda b'makom she'en talmidei hachamim domer lahadas b'mibar. That anyone who learns Torah and then goes and teaches it in a place where there aren't any other teachers, where there aren't any other uh, scholars of Torah, that person is like a um, hadas, a myrtle in the wilderness. Why is that person like a, a myrtle in the wilderness? Because when you're traveling in the desert and you see a, a tree that has beauty in it, uh, there's, it's so precious to you, it's so uh, interesting to you, it's, it's so uh, meaningful to you. And if you've learned Torah and you go to a place where there are no teachers, so you become like this, uh, this diamond in the rough, if you will. You, you shine, uh, you sparkle, um, and, and your Torah learning becomes all the more important because you are teaching in a place where there is no other teacher. Um, and, and that actually is uh, uh, certainly much more meaningful to anyone um, who studies Torah and who takes the Torah that they learn and, um, and goes to all sorts of far-flung places where there are small Jewish communities, uh, where there are Jews um, who have not learned much Torah before, uh, where, there are, uh, where there is a great thirst for it and no one to fulfill that thirst. Um, and so um, this little, um, uh, this little uh, um, piece of Torah, which uh, really takes off from the whole question of, of, the, um, of the lamps that they would light and the different kinds of trees, it really has nothing to do with the general discussion, but it teaches us uh, something which is indeed, of course, very important, and that is the necessity of not only learning Torah for our sake, but then of taking that Torah and, um, and giving it to others, uh, because it is, uh, it is almost to say that it is useless without giving it to others, but when we do so, um, it, uh, it multiplies in a way that we, um, we couldn't anticipate, uh, and again, especially where we're the only one who is teaching it. That's the first uh, piece, which I think is, um, is really a, a fascinating part of this page of Gemara. Uh, the second piece occurs um, on Daf Bet, and, um, and it is a discussion of how far away were the different places where, um, where lamps, where, where uh, torches were lit in order to indicate when Rosh Chodesh um, had, uh, had begun. Uh, that was how they uh, communicated it. In, in, in modern times, I guess, or a little bit pre-modern times, we would have looked at it as sort of like uh, smoke signals. Uh, the same sort of idea. They stood on different mountains, and you would see the fire on one mountain, and they would relay it to the next mountain, and it was a pretty fast way of, uh, of getting information out. Um, and so there's a discussion, because they have lost the tradition of exactly how far away uh, each place was, and, uh, and more importantly than that, um, how long was the entire distance to get it from Jerusalem out to the, um, to the Golat, to the diaspora? Uh, and the conclusion the Gomorrah comes to is that it is 32 parsaot, 
which according to most interpretations is something like 75 miles or more that they would uh, go from Jerusalem and, and spread it out. But I think actually that probably is an underestimation because it is much more than 75 miles to get to uh, the beginning of the, uh, of the Gola, to get the beginning of the diaspora that they, that they want to describe here. Uh, what's interesting is that the Gomorrah then comments that this distance, um, which um, is from the very beginning, uh, where the first um, fire was lit on, on Har HaZetim, on the Mount of Olives, to the very end, a place called Beit Baltin, uh, which is the beginning of the diaspora, uh, it says that, well, you know, it might have been 32 parsaot, as they're called, at one time, but now um, it is much longer. And how is it much longer now? Well, so Amar um, Abaye says, Istatume istatut lehu darche, that the roads between these uh, one place and the next um, no longer exist, that they, they're, um, they, they're, they're, they're obstructions along the way. Um, and then they give a, a proof text as to where that comes from, from Hosea. Uh, but that's not important. What is important is this concept um, that um, somehow the distance between Jerusalem, uh, between Jerusalem and, uh, and the diaspora has actually become greater. Uh, and that's something also worth thinking about because it reminds us that um, part, of the, um, part of the difficulty of um, of the diaspora, part of the difficulty of, of no longer having the center in Jerusalem for so many hundreds of years, for really almost 2,000 years, was that the distance between Jerusalem uh, and the rest of the Jewish world became um, uh, uh, considerably larger. Uh, that's a wonderful metaphor to indicate that as we were exiled from the land, uh, that our exile became uh, something which was not just uh, uh, a physical distance, but I think also a spiritual distance. And of course today, uh, we live in a world where, uh, where that exile is no more, and it is our job to, uh, to try and um, take that exile and make that distance um, less than it has been throughout the ages. And I think when we combine these two teachings, uh, we come away with something which uh, is, uh, is quite profound. The idea that, uh, that the distance that is between um, Yerushalayim, between uh, Jerusalem and the rest of the Jewish world, can be shortened by those who teach Torah, by those who go out and, uh, and bring people closer to, to, to God, closer to mitzvot, closer to understanding. Uh, and when they do that, this distance which has uh, been obstructed along the way, I think those obstructions begin to become removed. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.